There was a wall. It did not look important. It was built of uncut rocks roughly mortared. An adult could look right over it, and even a child could climb it. Where it crossed the roadway, instead of having a gate, it degenerated into mere geometry, a line, an idea of boundary. But the idea was real. It was important. For seven generations there had been nothing in the world more important than that wall. Like all walls, it was ambiguous, two-faced. What was inside it and what was outside it depended upon which side of it you were on. Looked at from one side, the wall enclosed a barren sixty-acre field called the Port of Anaris. On the field there were a couple of large gantry cranes, a rocket pad, three warehouses, a truck garage and a dormitory. The dormitory looked durable, grimy and mournful. It had no gardens, no children. Plainly, nobody lived there, or was even meant to stay there long. It was, in fact, a quarantine. The wall shut in not only the landing field, but the ships that came down out of space, and the men that came on the ships, and the worlds they came from, and the rest of the universe. It enclosed the universe, leaving Anaris outside, free. Looked at from the other side, the wall enclosed Inaris. The whole planet was inside it, a great prison camp, cut off from other worlds and other men, in quarantine. A number of people were coming along the road towards the landing field, or standing around where the road cut through the wall. People often came out from the nearby city of Abenai in hopes of seeing a spaceship, or simply to see the wall. After all, it was the only boundary wall on their world. Nowhere else could they see a sign that said no trespassing. Adolescents particularly were drawn to it. They came up to the wall, they sat on it. There might be a gang to watch, offloading crates from track trucks at the warehouses. There might even be a freighter on the pad. Freighters came down only eight times a year, unannounced, except to syndics actually working at the port so when the spectators were lucky enough to see one, they were excited, at first. But there they sat, and there it sat, a squat black tower in a mess of movable cranes, away off across the field. And then a woman came over from one of the warehouse crews and said, We're shutting down for today, brothers. She was wearing the defence armband, a sight almost as rare as a spaceship. That was a bit of a thrill but though her tone was mild, it was final. She was the foreman of this gang, and if provoked, would be backed up by her syndics. And anyhow, there wasn't anything to see. The aliens, the off-worlders, stayed hiding in their ship. No show. It was a dull show for the defence crew, too. Sometimes the foreman wished that somebody would just try to cross the wall, an alien crewman jump in ship or a kid from Abenai trying to sneak in for a closer look at the freighter. But it never happened. Nothing ever happened. When something did happen, she wasn't ready for it. The captain of the freighter, mindful, said to her, Is that mob after my ship? The foreman looked and saw that in fact there was a real crowd around the gate. A hundred or more people. They were standing around, just standing the way people had stood at produce train stations during the famine. 
It gave the foreman a scare. No, they, uh, protest, she said in her slow and limited eotic. Protest the, uh, you know, passenger. You mean they're after this bastard we're supposed to take? Are they going to try to stop him or us? The word bastard, untranslatable in the foreman's language, meant nothing to her except some kind of foreign term for her people. But she had never liked the sound of it, or the captain's tone, or the captain. 